You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome in to the Arrowhead Pride Rapid Reaction Show. Now, there is still a minute and 20 seconds left in this football game. I'm joined by Rocky Magadia, as I am each and every week. I'm Steven Serta, by the way. But I think it's safe to say the Kansas City Chiefs are leaving Santa Clara with a win this week, Rocky. Um, San Francisco's got their backups in. The Chiefs have their backups in late in the fourth quarter. Juan Thornhill just intercepted their backup quarterback. They're up 44 to 23 right now with a minute left. And we just really couldn't wait to get on here and get going for you guys this evening because, man, that was a hell of a performance against the number one defense in the NFL, Rocky. Um, I think this was the best Chiefs performance of the season, hands down, all the way around, uh, you know, aside from a, a couple of blunders there on special teams and being down 10 to nothing early in this ball game. But as of right now, as they take a knee to run the clock out, the Chiefs are going to leave San Francisco with a 44 to 23 victory over the 49ers. Going to head into their bye week at five and two with what is easily, in my opinion, the most impressive performance of the season. Yeah, I mean, the slow starts have got to stop. Like, but that's besides the point. We're not here to naysay today. Um, Patrick Mahomes gives you the largest margin of error of any player in the NFL, and this was probably one of the most entertaining games we've watched all year as a Chiefs fan on both sides of the ball. Really, you know, the defense made plays, offense stepped up um, from beginning to end. And this 49ers team, they're not a bad team. They're better than their record. They have a lot of answers that they're looking for, and they have more questions than answers at this point, um, I think. But as a Chiefs fan, you just have to be super, super, super energized after watching this game, especially seeing how the rest of the AFC West did today, with the exception of the lowly Raiders squeaking one out against the even lowlier, you know, Houston Texans. Um the Chiefs got their got their game lead back in the division heading into the bye week, you know. And as you prep for the second half of the season, you got to feel really good about this next stretch of games. And and you think the Chiefs are probably going to be finishing strong and and wrapping up the AFC West and pushing for that one seed. Yeah, it man, I, I it's hard for me to even express right now like how impressive this win was going against this defense and we were talking about it a little bit before we got going here and this defense is fantastic and i understand patrick mahomes is the best quarterback that they have played so far this season and it's not close but i don't even think this performance is necessarily an indictment on the defense or the competition that they've played like sometimes you get these games from superstar players where there's just nothing you can do about it. And everything was working today for the Kansas city chiefs. And it's a credit to Andy Reid and the offensive coaching staff 
and the playmakers that they have on the offensive side of the ball because everybody was just on today. And, you know, Nick Bosa, I don't think he's 100% healthy. I don't think Trivarius Ward's 100% healthy. They didn't have Eric Armstead, who's an absolute stud along the interior of that defensive line for the 49ers defense. But this team has been really, really competitive this season. They've been dominant on the defensive side of the ball, no matter what personnel they put out on the field, because I think D'Amico Ryans is one of the best defensive play callers in football. And man, the Chiefs were just prepared. I think this is a statement game for them, which is weird. You you think about like NFC opponent just ahead of a bye week. And we heard from Patrick Mahomes earlier this week, and he was asked about, you know, trying to make sure that the team is up and prepared for this game ahead of a bye. And Mahomes was just like, well, they better be ready. We're coming off of a loss. <laughs> what what are you talking about? They bet they better not need any more determination than that. And Man, the Chiefs just showed up today in a big way against a really tough team. And I, I don't think this is an indictment on the San Francisco 49ers and, and their outlook on the rest of the season. But now they're three and four. The Chiefs are five and two. And they're coming off their most impressive win of the season, hands down, all around, across the board. They were just absolutely dominant today. Yeah, I mean, they were dominant. And going back to what Patrick Mahomes said about the team better be ready. Yeah, you better be ready. You, you just lost the title of the best team in the NFL because it wasn't debatable anymore after that. You lost a head-to-head game against a team that was that was debated as the best te- as the other best team in the NFL. So if that doesn't get you going and get you ready to, you know, start working your ba- way back up for your next title shot, then nothing will and you shouldn't be in this game. And the fact that the Chiefs came out and performed the way they did, especially after falling down to 10 points again early in the game just shows you, you know, that the fight that this team does have in them, that they they don't give up. They're never out. Um, but the slow starts are another story. I mean, you can't you can't keep spotting in a good NFL teams 10 points week in, week out. Um, th- three quarters of this game was lights out football by this team. The first quarter was hard to watch. And we can't overlook how hard to watch this first quarter was on offense and defense both. Um Huafanga is is one of the best young defensive backs in the NFL for for San Francisco, and that was a heck of a break he made on that ball. But Patrick Mahomes had no business throwing that pass, and Sky Moore has got to know that he has to get in front of the defensive back on that first drive. Um, there's no way that you can give up points like that that deep, and you know on you know it, it, especially when they're gashing you the way they were on the run game. So let let's really get into it. I had to just. I had to just sit here and bask in that performance for a few minutes to start the show tonight because, man, it was a fun football game and they were absolutely dominant in the second half, which like, you know, we've seen this offense this season kind of struggle coming into the second half. We talk about the Andy Reid opening script and how great that is for the Chiefs. And then they kind of flounder a little bit. And then starting the second half, the Chiefs usually have the ball because they like to defer. They like to have the ball to start the second half. And they've been kind of sluggish coming out of those locker room breaks. And it was the polar opposite today. They were absolutely dominant the entire second half of the football game. The 49ers just absolutely didn't stand a chance. And Rocky, I think it starts with the protection along the offensive line. I already talked about the Niners defensive line a little bit. And when this defensive line is healthy, I do think there's a case to be made. They are the best defensive line in football. I think, it's San Francisco. It's the it's um, 
Buffalo, and there's a lot of other teams that are in the mix there. But arguably, in back-to-back weeks, he played the two best defensive lines in football. And this Chiefs offensive line was fantastic today. I know Bosa wound up getting a sack later in the game, and he's the kind of player that you know, they're just going to make those plays here and there eventually, like they're going to walk into a sack or something because they're so good. But the offensive line as a whole was fantastic today. And it's the best performance they've had since their performance against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a few weeks ago. And, you know, we've seen the ups and downs of the offensive line this season and man, whatever they did this week to get up for this game and to get prepared for this contest, Can we see that every week from now on? Can we see that every week from this offensive line? Because when they do things like this against that defensive line, against this defensive play caller and D'Amico Ryans, I'm going to get frustrated if they come back after the bye and have another bad performance where they're letting all kinds of pressure get to Patrick Mahomes because this is what we expected them to be. The performance that they had today against the San Francisco 49ers is what we expected this offensive line to be coming into this football game. And when you protect Patrick Mahomes and you give him time, he is going to find the open guy down the field. And this offense is going to be really, really tough to beat, man. Um, I think that there was a a definite shift in the mindset of the offensive line this game as different than what we've seen in weeks past. And I think the change that that was made, if you watch this game, was they decided if we get beat, we're just going to hold them. We're not going to let them get to Patrick. We're not going to whiff and try to chase after the guy. We saw it multiple times today. Like They had quite a few holding calls called against them on the offensive line. But guess what? You have the team that has the highest conversion percentage of third and long in the NFL, you know, of third and seven plus. Take, if you have to, take the hold, but don't let them hit Patrick Mahomes. It's it, it, it you're going to lose at least 10 yards on the sack regardless. At least you get to replay the down if you hold them. You know what I mean? I, I honestly think that they they played that knowing that if they got beat, they were just going to hold the guy to keep him from hitting Patrick Mahomes. And it's not honestly, if you're going to give up a sack, it's not that bad of a plan. And they also kept Jarek McKinnon back to, to chip and and help help in the in the in, in pass blocking a lot more. I felt like today, you know, to give that extra help and it worked. I would say do that the rest of the season. Yeah, it's if that's what you need to do, do it and defenses will adjust and then you'll readjust and you'll go back and forth that way. Like having this kind of performance against this defense and acknowledging their injuries, but still like even with all the injuries, their defense has still been spectacular this season. And to carve them up the way that they have or the way that they did today and put up 44 points against them, like it's extremely impressive. Like I I cannot be more impressed with this Chiefs team after this performance. And uh, again, it starts with the protection up front. When Patrick Mahomes has time and he does not have pressure in his face, immediately when they snap the football, good things are going to happen. As with any offense in the NFL, the difference being here is that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football. So if you can really protect him, you're going to win a lot of football games. And they did that all day today for the most part. And we just need to see this consistently throughout the rest of the season because now we have two performances against good football teams. I understand Tampa Bay lost again to the Carolina Panthers today. They have now lost back to back and they look pretty bad, but for a few weeks there, they looked like one of the best defenses in football and they've got some injuries of their own. 
But you've got two performances, at least on big stages, against big-time opponents, and both of them happen to be NFC opponents. But when you can show up and play like this and look this dominant co- compared to some of the other performances you've put on tape this season, like there's not excuses to have letdown games anymore. Like you have proven so far through seven weeks of the season, you're five and two. One of them is an inexplicable loss to the Indianapolis Colts. And the other is a loss to the best team in football where, you know, you were in it and you had an opportunity and you fought them to the very last down. But the Kansas City Chiefs, in my opinion, right now are right behind the Buffalo Bills as the second best team in the NFL. And the Philadelphia Eagles are right there in the mix at number three. They're on by this week. But there's no reason to have these letdown games anymore because we've seen what the peak is. And the peak is what we saw today. Like they were absolutely fantastic today. Clyde Edwards Alaire had a 16 yard score to open things up. And, you know, Everybody scored touchdowns today, basically, except for Travis Kelsey and Jody Fortson. I had a Jody Fortson anytime touchdown. Would have liked to see that hit, but it's okay because everybody found the end zone today. Like, this is just one of those patented offensive performances from Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, where you're like, man, it doesn't matter who the personnel is. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. When these guys are playing like this and when they are playing at their peak and they are executing at the highest level that they possibly can, there's no one in the NFL that I think is capable of beating this team. And this is why they are right there once again in the Super Bowl mix. Oh, hundred percent. They're right there. The Super Bowl mix. And I think you said something, you know, very intelligent and really pointed to hit the nail on the head back there. When you we were talking about when Patrick Mahomes has time to work, you know, he's, he's unstoppable. If you think back to, to the Super Bowl, when we, when we beat the San Francisco 49ers, what did Patrick Mahomes come to the sideline and say before they ran wasp? He said, you think we have time to run Wasp? Why? Because that defensive line had been causing them problems all game long. Like Patrick Mahomes, we all know Patrick Mahomes was running for his life against the Bucs in the Super Bowl. He didn't have a lot of time against the 49ers when they played him in the Super Bowl. And they, the Chiefs had a much better game plan because this, this defensive line is beat up right now. But talent-wise, they have more guys with, with more talent on the defensive line now than they had then. Um, and so – 100% hats off to the offensive line. And then as far as the offensive game plan goes for this team, I think you saw Patrick Mahomes, you know, he's mentioned it a few weeks ago when he said, you're going to see the ball spread around a lot more. It's not just going to be two guys. You're going to see me spread the ball around. And it's going to be a different guy each week that steps up. Well, today we had big plays from Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS, Clyde, and then Miko had, had the Miko coming out party, you know, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a bit. Um, but it wasn't just, you know, Tyreek and Kelsey, and it wasn't really Kelsey at all today because it seemed like, you know, Shanahan, after the first first quarter when Kelsey had some really big plays, Shanahan decided that we were going to take away Kelsey and you beat me somewhere else, you beat me somewhere else. And Mahomes said, okay, I'll just, I'll just go to the next guy. It's that old, like, Patriots mentality with, the, with, the, with, the, with, the, with Brady, you know, and Belichick, you know, and a lot of his Super Bowls where it was a different guy every week that stood up. Yeah, they were so impressive today. And Juju Smith-Schuster was fantastic. Seven receptions for 124 yards. MVS, three catches for 111 yards. Had a 57-yard reception that was a backbreaker for that 49ers defense. Travis Kelsey just 
studding it up like he does each and every week. It doesn't matter what the defense throws at you. There's just no stopping. Travis Kelsey had six catches for 98 yards. Didn't find the end zone, but he almost had one. It got called back because of a penalty. Jarek McKinnon had a huge reception on third and long. That was another backbreaker for the 49ers defense. And then, of course, McCall Hardman. And I think I owe McCall Hardman a little bit of an apology here. McCall Hardman finds the end zone three times today. All three of them on jet sweeps, which seems unbelievable. But Andy Reid, again, was just dialing things up today. Like Andy Reid was just in his bag, and there was nothing San Francisco could do to slow down this offense. We talked this week on Show and BK about McCall Hardman. And I know a lot of us are eager to see Sky Moore more involved in the offense. I certainly could go without ever seeing Sky Moore on special teams again. Uh, I still think he can be a playmaker for you offensively if he can get more involved. But we talked this week on Show MBK about how McCole Hardman right now is the only reliable guy that you have, the most consistent big play game breaking wide receiver. And I know we saw MVS make some of those plays today, but we've talked about MVS in the past. Like I, I like MVS when he shows up, it's just that he's not always consistent. You can't always rely on him. He's not always going to be that game breaking player, but McCall Hardman for all of his shortcomings is a Kansas City chief for, for all of the things that, you know, chiefs fans want to criticize him for and his up and down play and where he was drafted and, you know, him failing to live up to that potential. He is the most explosive playmaker that they have on offense. Like, I think that's pretty indisputable and you just have to find a way to get him involved in the offense. And Andy Reid said today, all right, I got something for McColl. I got some packages for McColl today. And they utilize him in a perfect way. I'm fine with McColl Hardman just stepping into that kind of Debo Samuel role and getting these handoffs out of the backfield and these jet sweeps and stuff like that because i think he's probably more reliable there than he is as a pass catcher at this point in his career like he can still make some plays downfield and he can still be explosive you just got to find a way to manufacture big plays for him and andy reed did that today and mccall hardman was fantastic mccall hardman was fantastic today and you know i think mccall hardman is who mccall hardman is and he is an extremely dangerous weapon if you play to his strengths one of his strengths happens to be a jet sweep. He's still a guy that you have to scheme into the game. He's not a high-volume guy, and he's still a guy that you have to, you know, intentionally put the ball in his hands to unlock his explosiveness. But that being said, when you do, he is an extremely dangerous weapon. And there's a lot of fans out there, myself included, and I do owe McCole Hardman a little bit of an apology, that in years past, I did not trust him with the ball in his hand to make the correct decision or the intelligent choice. I felt like he put the ball on the ground too much. I felt like he, he just couldn't trust him in a big game scenario when it was on the line. I feel like McCall Hardman has matured a little bit in that aspect. He's not, he's still not a, a pure wide receiver. He is that just that X factor weapon that you scheme in for five touches a game. And three of those five touches went for a touchdown today. And as long as you do something like that, he could be the difference maker between a win and a loss week in, week out. Because guess what? If he gets you a touchdown every single week off an explosive play, that may be the margin of error or the margin of victory that you need to turn the tide. So that being said, hats off to you, Sky Moore. I've talked a lot of trash on you. Today you showed out. You, you, you served the kingdom well. And so congratulations. And I will say this. I want to see Kyle Shanahan's press conference because the fact that Sky Moore kept scoring on jet sweeps 
I want to see if he goes McCall. full. Oh, sorry. I mean, not McCall. Sorry. McCall Hardman kept scoring on uh, on jet sweeps. I want to see if he goes full old school. Dennis Green is like, they are who we thought they were. You know, <laughs> it's like pounding his fist on the podium, you know, just outraged that they knew it was coming and they couldn't stop it. And I want to remind you guys, uh, please leave your comments. Use hashtag AP Rapid Reaction in the comment section. We'll try to get to them at the end of the show. And this one's from uh, Steve Haig. He says, Serta, you were so negative talking to the 49ers podcaster. You changed your tune now. Uh, referencing a podcast that I did with our good friend Rob Sets Guerrero, who works at one of our sister sites, Niners Nation, this week. And I don't think I was being negative, Steve. I was just talking about the way I saw this game playing out. I picked the Chiefs to win on arrowheadpride.com. I just said that I believe the 49ers were a very bad matchup for the Chiefs. Like personnel-wise, what they did defensively, I, I don't think was a good matchup for the Chiefs. I don't think the 49ers' offensive weapons were a good matchup for the Chiefs' defense, and they proved me wrong. I'm very happy that they proved me wrong because it's a lot more fun coming on here and talking to you guys when the Kansas City Chiefs win football games. So I don't think that I was overly negative. I, I think that I offered my analysis, and I said the 49ers were a bad matchup for them. The Chiefs came out, and they executed perfectly outside of the first 10 minutes of the football game and they walk away with a huge win. So I don't think I was overly negative on the Kansas City Chiefs. I just think that on paper, this San Francisco team was a poor matchup for them. And again, the offense was just absolutely spectacular. Like Kramer, you can just start throwing up touchdowns in the background because there was a lot of them today. Like there's a lot of offensive plays to talk about from this game, but I do want to get into the defense a little bit because we've just been kind of drooling over the offensive performance and deservedly so for the way that they played today. But there was some things defensively here where you kind of question what the 49ers thought process was where early on in the game, chiefs are down 10, nothing early on in the football game. And the 49ers are absolutely gashing them on the ground. Like at one point they were averaging like 11 yards per carry against the defense and San Francisco kind of shot themselves in the foot by saying, we want to keep up with the chiefs. So we're going to throw the football for no reason instead of just continuing to run. Cause I think if they would have continued to run, they could have controlled the clock more. They, they could have slowed things down for the chiefs. And I, I think this would have wound up being a closer football game if they would have chosen to do that, but they didn't. And it worked out in the chiefs favor. I think some of that is when you're going against Andy Reid, you're going against Patrick Mahomes. We see this all the time teams that go forward on fourth downs and teams that say, no, we have to score touchdowns against this team because they know how devastating the chiefs offense can be and how devastating Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid can be. And so it affects your decision-making a little bit. And I think we saw today that it really affected Kyle Shanahan's decision-making and Andy Reid was the better coach today because Kyle Shanahan comes in this game thinking, Andy Reid's considered like the greatest play caller in NFL history. I want to be considered the greatest play caller in NFL history. So I'm going to do whatever I can to compete with that. And I'm going to show Andy Reid I can put up points with him. And Andy Reid won the battle today. Won, won the battle running away and it wasn't even close. Yeah, I mean, it was it's it reeked of a situation where, you know, the student wanted to be the master and the master was like, no, I'm still the master. Um the there's no reason why the 49ers should not have kept just feeding the ball on the ground game. It was working so well in the first half. I mean, if you think about when the tide ultimately really turned, you know, Sky Moore 
does makes a huge mistake trying to field that punt, puts it on the ground. They get the ball back in the Chiefs red zone, and then they they try to throw the ball. Dude, just run the ball. You, if you run the ball there, you're going to score seven points if you're Kyle Shanahan. You know, you overthought the situation, and you put Jimmy G in a situation that he's not great at. Like, Jimmy G is a game manager, and you put Jimmy G in a situation where he had to carry the whole team and win it on his arm. And, you, I mean, listen, the 49ers, to their credit, they did put up a lot of yards today. I mean, Jimmy G threw for 369, and they ran for 101 on the ground. Like, 470 yards of offense is nothing to balk at. Um but you had to do it, you know, playing from behind and trying to win a sprint against the Chiefs, and that's just not how you beat the Chiefs. If you want to beat the Chiefs, you got to play them like Indianapolis did, where you control the ball, you try to you try to slow the game down, and you make it ugly, right? And you and you try to you try to frustrate Patrick Mahomes and make him take the short stuff. And I mean, Kyle Shanahan's just he he's too smart for his own good sometimes, and it causes him to do some really stupid things. Yeah, I I think that there was a lot of that in this game with, you know, Kyle Shanahan kind of shooting himself in the foot. And, you know, this game could have turned out very differently. I I think if San Francisco would have just stuck with the run game and and kind of played into their style, which they're a dominant running team. And so I don't even look at the early yards that they were giving up uh, against the run as something that is worrisome for this Kansas City Chiefs defense. Um, I, I know that. They've struggled against the run here as of late. Uh, they gave up some big runs to Devin Singletary. The, uh, Josh Jacobs had a big game against them. I don't think this Chiefs defense is like a dominant run unit or anything like that. They've had some good performances. They've had some bad performances this season. I think that it's somewhere in the middle, which is fine, right? Like you're you're looking at a totally average NFL run defense. You're fine with that when you have Patrick Mahomes, but they do still have some flaws and we did see it at points today, despite the fact that they finally forced some turnovers, they headed into this game with one interception on the season and they actually forced some turnovers today, which is huge for the defense because you need them to do that. And there they were dominant up front, putting pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo, which is something that they've been lacking at times this season. We've seen Spags have to dial up these blitzes because they're struggling to put pressure on the opposing offensive unit. And today they were absolutely mauling Jimmy Garoppolo. Like they got a safety late in the game on Frank Clark. I probably owe Frank Clark an apology that that Niners podcast that the listener referenced earlier. I definitely called Frank Clark washed up on that podcast earlier this week. And Frank was good today. Frank showed up and played today. And I owe him an apology for that. Chris Jones was absolutely dominant today. Willie Gay had a half a sack and a blitz, a perfectly timed blitz from Spags. Like that's what you need to see from this defense, right? You know where your playmakers are on that side of the ball. And Spags has done a good job this season, dialing up the blitzes at a perfect moment. It's going to burn him sometimes because that's what happens when you blitz in the NFL going against these high level caliber quarterbacks, you're going to get burned occasionally, but that's what we have to live with when it comes to Steve Spagnuolo. What they did today, they put pressure without blitzing, and then Spags would dial up the blitzes. That's how this defense wins football games. And if they can do that on a consistent basis moving forward, man, I'm really excited for this secondary to get fully healthy because I still think we haven't seen the ceiling of this Chiefs defense. No, we definitely haven't seen the ceiling of this Chiefs defense yet. Um, I agree with you 100%. The blitz is most effective 
when your front four is already creating pressure on their own and you're just dialing it up as a change of pace, right? Frank Clark has had, you know, a horrible last couple of seasons, you know. Um, today he was locked in on his on his sack. If you watch, he he had Jimmy G's cadence, you know, down to the millisecond. He was just a little bit early, you know, a couple of plays before that and got the offsides call. And after that, he was like, nope, I'm locked in. I know exactly the very moment Jimmy G is going to snap this ball. And he was getting his jump on that safety against Trent Williams, who is arguably the best tackle in the NFL. You know, he just he he blew right by him at one of the most opportune moments, you know, when the Chiefs really needed a big play there. And he got the ball back for his team. Like, like Frank Clark, that might be the play, the best play you've made in the Chiefs uniform. You know, maybe your whole career. That might be your play right there, Frank Clark. Um, and then the rest of the team, you know, we had we, we, we hit Jimmy G eight times. You know, that's a lot of hits to put on a starting quarterback. And that's that, that gets inside of a quarterback's head. You know, we had two interceptions on the game. You know, Juan Thornhills was a little bit of a garbage time interception. But Joshua Williams, good for him. You know, in a big time situation when when the Chiefs were backed up against their own end zone because of a mistake made on special teams, Joshua Williams, who a guy who has been burned a lot this year and, and been criticized a lot, finally used his length to his advantage and came up with a really big play at a very large moment and a critical moment in the game. And prior to that, Joshua Williams interception and uh, Juan Thornhill did come away with that late game interception. So I, I believe the Chiefs are up to three picks on the year now. But prior to that, their only interception on the season was week two, Thursday night, the game winning 99 yard pick six from Jalen Watson. So Joshua Williams, who has been up and down and has taken a lot of lumps so far as a fourth round rookie, kind of being thrust into a starting role uh, before he's ready and in a situation where. If it were up to the Chiefs, he wouldn't be starting right now, but they just don't have an option with Trent McDuffie still on IR, and hopefully he'll be back after the bye, and Rashad Fenton's unhealthy right now. So they're doing the best with what they have in the secondary. So, yeah, it's really good to see Joshua Williams come away with that interception. It's good to see Juan Thornhill get that pick at the end of the game because after the bye, we need to see this team start forcing some turnovers. We it's the last element I think of them defensively aside from getting the secondary healthy. If they can do that, if this defensive line can continue to look like this and they had matchups that worked well for them against San Francisco, Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey are both very good tackles. McGlinchey's pretty banged up. Williams is coming off the injury, but we know when those dudes are healthy, they are very strong bookends of your offensive line. Where the Chiefs exploited their best matchups was the interior of San Francisco's offensive line this today, and they're bad there. That's where you have to exploit those matchups, and that's why we saw Chris Jones with a dominant performance. Like I, I just think that the Kansas City Chiefs just really, really did a good job of game planning on both sides of the ball. They're very prepared for this game, and I think it says a lot ahead of a bye week. Coming off of a loss, I think it says a lot about where their mentality is right now as a team, because we've seen this team kind of let up during times like this ahead of a bye week coming off of a loss of off of a letdown loss. Like we've seen this Kansas City Chiefs team in years past kind of let down and going five and two into a bye week with the adversity that they faced so far this season, all the injuries on that defense and still kind of putting out a, a reasonable product every single week and a dominant defensive line performance this week you got to feel really good about the Kansas City Chiefs going into their bye. Like I I am 
my expectations based on the preseason schedule that we saw over this first seven weeks of the season, I was like, you're kind of okay, feeling all right if they're three and four based on how tough and difficult that schedule is because, you know, Mahomes will turn things around post by and they'll go on a playoff run or whatever. But being five and two here and one of your losses being to the arguable best team in the NFL and the Buffalo Bills, I don't think the Chiefs could be in a better spot right now aside from that letdown game against the Colts, which seems like they have one of those every year. So you got to be happy with everything that you're seeing from the chiefs right now. Like they are a bona fide super bowl contender right now. And I think that the sky is the limit for them in the second half of the season after their bye week, as long as they get healthy and everything falls into place. Yeah. I mean, the sky is the limit for them and they are, you know, the bona fide number two team in the NFL right now. And if they can find a way to match up against Buffalo and the defense, think that you know they could definitely probably even retake that crown i think in a matchup with the playoffs with the with the season on the line i think that kansas city comes out and wins that game um i think that what you saw today was something that we haven't seen a lot in the andy Reid era or as chiefs fans on the whole it seems a lot of times that chiefs will either play down to their competition or they'll get up by say 10 points in the second half and then they won't put the team away, right? They don't ever they, – they, they tend to, to struggle to extend that lead in the second half sometimes. And today you saw them go out there and just, you know, really just put their foot, you know, on the throat of the 49ers and just put them away and, and really just just take the take the game, you know, out of question. The only time we saw them do that this year was against the Bucs. It's almost like this is a team that's kind of revenge-based a little bit. Even though they beat the 49ers, there's been a lot of talks since the last time they played the 49ers, especially by 49ers fans who always try to tell Pat, win a real ring. Well, guess what? This was your guys' Super Bowl rematch, and we and we beat you guys by three touchdowns. So 49ers fans, shut <laughs> your mouths because you're not on our level. And I'll send that out to everybody right now. The Bills are a better team than us this year, but the 49ers, you guys aren't it. You're not in the NFC, and you're not making it to the Super Bowl to try to get another shot at us. Hey, you really need to get that off your chest, huh? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before we got, get to your guys' questions, and I do want to remind you, if you're listening to us on the podcast, as always, you can stick around after the show. We'll have all the post-game press conferences for you. After the Chiefs' huge 44-23 to win over the San Francisco 49ers, we do have to talk about the special teams before we get out of here. And Sky Moore comes up with another costly fumble. It's not that big. It's just because, uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo throws the INT to Joshua Williams uh, on the following possession. But you just can't have liabilities on special teams. And we've talked a lot in the show, actually, uh, about their season-long performance so far through seven weeks. And, you know, that Indianapolis Colts loss for everything poor that they did offensively and defensively in that game – I still think they come away with a victory in that game if it's not for all of the special teams blunders. And Sky Moore, his second fumble on a return through seven weeks is not great. And as much as I want to see Sky Moore get more involved offensively, I don't know if it's going to happen this season with all the veteran presence that they have on that side of the ball. But I do think we got to start making some adjustments here during the bye week if you're Dave Tobe, because there's an issue here with Sky Moore returning kicks, and you can't have guys out there that are going to be a liability on special teams because as we saw in that game against the Colts, you just can't have guys that are going to cost you game-changing plays on special teams. Like Special teams, 
you want to see game-breaking plays like your Isaiah Pacheco returning the second half kickoff and putting the Chiefs in great position to score right out of the gate. That's fantastic. We just have not seen that from Sky Moore as a punt returner this season. Uh, late in the game, after Chris Jones sacked Jimmy or Frank Clark sacked Jimmy Garoppolo for the safety, it's worth noting that McCole Hardman was back for the free kick on that play. Now, you know, Andy Reid said in his post-game press conference that you know Sky Moore wasn't hanging his head. They they still have confidence in him as a returner. There's a lot of coach speak, but. I have to imagine at this point we're going to see a move at punt returner coming out of the Chiefs bye week. And I still have sky-high expectations for him as a player, but you just can't have him on punt returns. He didn't do it in college. There was no real reason for them to do that here except for they want to get him involved because they think he can be a playmaker. They just don't have space for him on the offensive side of the ball. You just can't have a guy out there who looks like he's questioning himself every single time he's got a punt coming his way. No, you can't. Um, you got to make a move. He can't. He can't be your punt returner in the second half of the of the of the season. Um, otherwise, you're risking. You know, you you can't have him fumble a punt in the playoffs. You know, Miko Hardman. Part of the reason why I've gone all this time being wary of trusting him is he fumbled a punt in the Super Bowl. I didn't trust Miko Hardman after he fumbled a punt in the Super Bowl. You'll lose people's trust if you can't do the most simple part of that job effectively, and he's really struggling with it right now. And I think, honestly, if if Andy Reid was being honest with you, yes, his offense is very, very hard to grasp for a rookie wide receiver, but I think that some of these mental errors and special teams have bled over into the reason why you don't see him used more on offense. I think Sky Moore is going to be a great wide receiver, but we almost have to write this off as a redshirt season for him. I think at this point, maybe we'll see him more involved in the second half of the season on offense, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold my breath for it. Honestly, I think that Andy, he needs to build some trust up with Andy Reed and Andy Reed needs to see a little bit more out of him in order to really give him the ball in these situations. Now that doesn't mean that sky Moore was a bad pick or sky Moore will be a bad player down the line. It just means that sky Moore is a second round rookie wide receiver in Andy Reid's offense. And it's going to take some time, you know, next year he may be the guy and he may be awesome. And that's fine. Not every single player has to be immediately successful. I do think that we'll see him turn a corner later on in the season offensively. Like I think he's inevitably going to get, some more design plays specifically for him. And he's going to get some more opportunities on the offense. And we'll get to the questions here in just a second, but we do have to mention Isaiah Pacheco was the starting running back today. Um, You know, and we've seen so far this season, kind of the way that they're deploying these guys on offense. Like Isaiah Pacheco is getting these opportunities in kind of big games, certain circumstance situations. And then, you know, Ian Rappaport reports early this morning, it was at like 7.30 or 8 o'clock in the morning, that he's going to be the starter. Well, it didn't really mean anything. <laughs> Clyde Clyde still wound up being the more productive running back. And I don't think that starting the game as being the first running back on the field for the Chiefs means anything right now because it is a full-blown three-running back committee, and that's not going to change anytime soon. So, If you had high expectations for Isaiah Pacheco in fantasy football and you scooped him up this morning, sorry to let you down. I don't think that's changing. I think this is a straight up three running back committee for the chiefs moving forward. And 
you know, I think Pacheco's going to have some big games down the line. Clyde's going to have big games. Jerick McKinnon's going to have big games. Ideally, you just see all of them making plays when they get the opportunity to do so. I think the same is going to be said for Sky Moore when it's all said and done. Where He's going to have his moments this season. Hopefully, it's just not going to be any more negative ones on special teams because he does not belong out there returning kicks anymore. He's not comfortable. He didn't do it in college. We've seen enough of it, Dave. So please get him out of there. Let's figure that out over the bye week. But let's get to some of our listener questions, Kramer. Uh, hashtag AP Rapid Reaction Show if you want to sneak some in here at the finish line from Rick. Something needs to happen with Wiley. He's allowed way too much pressure on Mahomes. Well, I mean, we headed into the season knowing Andrew Wiley was the biggest question mark on the offensive line. I think the bigger concern is Orlando Orlando Brown's struggling play, which he was actually pretty good today. So if you get healthy Orlando and hopefully Wiley's not just a straight-up liability, then hopefully this thing will continue to work throughout the season. Maybe Lucas Niang's an answer there, but I tend to believe that you're just going to have to roll with Wiley and hope for the best, and hopefully you get some more performances like you did on Sunday. I wouldn't hate to see them try, at least for one game, moving Thune over to right tackle and moving Wiley over to left guard just to see how it looks, you know, because, you know, Thune's played a little bit of tackle before. He's filled in, he filled in admirably when Orlando Brown Jr. was out last season. Now, that doesn't mean that you want Thune to be your week in, week out tackle. They do need to find something there because right now, they have one offensive tackle and a bunch of guards on their team and then an all-world center. And so I don't believe that Andrew Wiley is a legit NFL tackle. I'm there with you. But I think that, you know, try mixing it up a little bit and see if you get better results. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they'll have Lucas Niang back later on in the season going into the bye. Uh, I would have to we'll, – we'll get an update from Andy at some point maybe on his status, probably not until after the bye week. But – don't really know what his situation is right now, but I, I just don't know what answers they're going to be able to have there. I, it's, you know, offensive line's not something you really see a lot of teams deal at the trade deadline. So I don't think there's an answer there if that's what you were hoping for. Uh, from KC90, having only MVS and Sky under contract next year, is it too soon to want to extend Juju uh, on a two or three year deal? Um, no, I. I think that sounds like a lot. I mean, you can extend Juju midseason. Like, that's something the Chiefs can do. And, you know, they're freeing up cap space, and that's not necessarily going to affect his cap hit this season. Uh, if, you know, if I'm understanding everything correctly when it comes to the Chiefs cap space. But I don't know if I'm there yet. Are, are you there, Rocky? Like, I, I think Juju is fine. I think Juju is, is a fine wide receiver. He is a good possession wide receiver. And we've seen him make plays in back-to-back games now, and, and he can be that guy. I just think that he's a reliable chain-moving wide receiver who's really strong, catches everything. He's go- always going to be in the spot that he's supposed to be in. You never got to worry about him running the wrong route or something like that. Like He is a solid NFL wide receiver. I don't know if I'm quite to let's give him a three-year extension yet, though. You know, he is a chain moving wide receiver, but he's also a chain moving wide receiver that went 45 yards for a touchdown today and caught seven receptions for 124 yards, averaging 17.7 yards per reception. Um, I am a believer in Juju. Um, I don't think that you extend Juju thinking he's your number one wide receiver, though. I don't no. think that the, I don't think the Chiefs have a number one wide receiver. And I think even going into next year, if you have MVS, Juju, and Sky, all three under contract, you're feeling good, but you still need to add 
a true number one wide receiver, right? You know, Sky's your slot guy. MVS is your fourth wide receiver, big play guy who can stretch the field. And Juju's your number two who can move chains. But you still need that true number one X wide receiver. Um, so at the right price, yeah, I say you extend Juju. But if you if Juju's looking for number one wide receiver money, then I'm, then I'm out. Um, but at the right price, I love Juju on this team. I think him and Mahomes look great together. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, last question before we get out of here from Chris. Go get Cameron Jordan since Burns cannot be had and let's shoot for another Super Bowl. I mean, that sounds great. I have no idea what Cam Jordan's cap hit is off the top of my head. I would have to imagine he's pretty expensive. I also don't think that the Saints are in tank mode and looking to looking to offload picks, but they did trade their num- their first overall pick uh, this upcoming season of the Philadelphia Eagles to go up and get Chris Olave. So maybe they are uh, interested in trying to acquire some draft capital. That'd be something I'd be really interested in. I still think Cam Jordan is a really talented player. Um, I just, without having any idea how much his contract is, I would assume that he's probably pretty pricey for the Chiefs. Burns is at least, uh, at least looks attractive because he's going to be cheap in the immediate future with a long-term extension, probably in the off season. Yeah. So with you, with Cam Jordan, I'm not sure on the entire details of his, of his contract. I'm looking at right now. It looks like they restructured him um, this year and he had, has a $12 million cap hit, but his base salary is only 1.1 million. So we'd have to see the details of that contract to know whether or not the Chiefs could even afford him. I am a fan of adding at edge rusher, you know, before the trade deadline. Um, I think that the Chiefs had three positions where they could use to add somebody before the trade deadline. I think another weapon on offense at wide receiver would be a good move. I think adding an offensive tackle, if there is somebody out there to be had, um, is a good move. Or adding a free agent like Daryl Williams at tackle, I wouldn't mind that. And then I think that adding – you know, an edge an ed rusher. You know, I think you got it. You got to do something to try to put this team over the hump a little bit, um, just to really. You have Mahomes in his prime, so do whatever you can every single year to put the very best team you have out there. And you have a little bit of cap space, and you have a chance to add somebody. And you got twelve picks next year. Go out there and get somebody. You know, hopefully at edge rusher, but if not, at tackle or wide receiver. Yeah, I'm all about them adding an edge rusher at the trade deadline if it makes sense for them financially and it's not necessarily mortgaging draft picks in the future. They do have a lot of draft picks next season, so I, I think that Brett Veach is certainly willing to part with some of those draft picks if they can acquire the right player. I would have to think that Brian Burns would be the guy. Like If they're willing to give up first-round picks, it's going to be for him. I wouldn't personally give up a first-round pick for Cam Jordan at this point in his career. He's still a very good player, but I wouldn't be willing to part with the first round pick for a guy who's as old as he is at this point. And, you know, Robert Quinn shouldn't be a guy who's going to command like a high draft pick compensation. So he'd be a guy that you could take a look at. But we'll see. The trade deadline's approaching. The Chiefs have extra time this upcoming week uh, as they head into their bye to try to figure some things out. So maybe we'll get some breaking chiefs news on the bye week Hopefully it's a big time trade as they get ready to uh, uh, take a break, get healthy, hopefully, and come back fresh and ready for the second half of the season, sitting at five and two atop the AFC West after their huge win over the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, please make sure you follow Rocky on Twitter at Rocky Magana. You can follow Kramer as well at Kramer talks. 
I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. As always, please make sure if you're listening on the podcast page, you stick around after the show. We've got all of the post-game press conferences coming up for you. I do want to remind you guys, by the way, we're going to change things up a little bit next week on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. It is the Chiefs Spy Week, so going to dial things back a little bit. For the most part, you know, Monday, Tuesday, we've still got a lot of our regularly scheduled shows, but we're going to change things up. We'll still have things coming out for you each and every day of the week. Just going to dial it back just a little bit to... Give everybody here at AP a little breather on the Chiefs bye week too. Make sure we're well rested and ready to go as well for the second half of the NFL season. But again, Chiefs win 44 to 23. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you soon. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home you need a tool to get the most out of your time away that's where viator steps in you can book guided tours activities excursions and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Once again, thank you guys for listening to the Arrowhead Pride Rapid Reaction Show. The Kansas City Chiefs head into their bye week at 5-2 with a 44-23 victory over the San Francisco 49ers. After the game, we heard from head coach Andy Reid, quarterback Patrick Mahomes, defensive lineman Chris Jones, wide receiver McCole Hardman, and wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster. We'll go in that order, starting with head coach Andy Reid. Being down by 10 points, they just kept playing. Uh, had some young guys step up and make some plays. I mean, I could go through and name all the guys that had a good game, but I'd end up naming probably everybody. They all somewhere along the line contributed, and coaches included. It was great game plans for both sides and special teams. But the resilience of our special teams, first half was a bit shaky, and then second half the guys stepped up. That return to start the second half was a thing of beauty, so that really helped us get going there. Um, anyways, with, with that, time's yours. Hey, Andy, uh, Patrick starts off with that interception. What did you see from him after that point, responding to that? Yeah, that, again, that's a great um, learning experience for Sky on that. So Sky's got a wraparound route right there, and, and we try to put everybody inside, outside, so you got to kind of work into that spot and know how to do it. And he got a little bit too high, and uh, Pat trusts him. That was the positive part. So next time around... Uh, we'll, we'll knock that thing out. And um, and they talked through it, and uh, that was a good thing. So good learning experience. So. Andy, you got McColl maybe more involved today in the running game, the running part of it, uh, about this particular opponent that uh, led you to do that? Yeah, not necessarily. I mean, we're, uh, Coach Heck had these jet sweeps uh, dialed up, and um, really he liked them. I mean, he did like them against this group, but he, he – 
normally likes him. So uh, I, I thought McColl did a heck of a job going fast, being patient, and then hitting it. And, um, you know, our guys blocked it well. So yeah, for him, yeah, I think he had three touchdowns on it. That was the same play, really, three different times. Going back to Scott Moore for a second, do you have to step back from him on the punt return part of things for now? Or, or? No, listen, he, from what I see, he, number one, he doesn't hang his head. And number two is he learns from his mistakes. So there, that was a tweener thing going on there, and, and uh, he'll learn from that. And I, I'm, not, I'm not that worried about him, you know. <clears throat> you say he learned from his mistakes. That, that was similar to the play in Indianapolis, though. Uh, similar, but he had, uh, yeah, there was, it was different. <laughs> similar but different. Adam. <laughs> Coach, you mentioned uh, uh, the signing of McCaffrey. Did your defense have to uh, change anything as, as far as the short notice and and uh, the you know such an impact player just kind of like being prepared for something like that? Yeah, we you know we had put together a, a tape on, if he did play of all of his carries and catches, and so the Spags buzzed through that. We figured they'd use something that'd be familiar to him. <clears throat> um, and we did. Now, he had some nice plays. He's a, he's a great player, and he's going to be a great addition. I mean, Kyle knows how to use offensive players, and he'll, he'll, really, he'll be exciting once he gets in the flow of things. Yeah. Hey, Andy, we talked this last week about your guys getting more man coverage over here. I have a hard time following the no, mic. Right. There's a mic here and a mic here. <laughs> you, guys getting, you guys getting more man coverage. How do you think your receivers responded to that challenge today? Yeah, we, we, you know, we've had it for uh, really throughout the season. Um, I thought our guys did a good job with it uh, today, to answer your question. Um, we, had, we had some pretty positive snaps against it, and uh, in particular at big time. So we, had some, we were decent on third down, really good on third down. So that, that's normally where we've been seeing most of it. And also your defensive line, what you see from them today? Yeah, I saw a relentless uh, football, um, and nothing tells you that more than what Frank did at the end there with the safety uh, against one of the great, he'll go down as one of the great offensive linemen ever play this game. I mean, he's, he's a tremendous football player, ton of respect for him. So, um, you know, for, for I, I think all the guys did it. You saw Chris do the same thing. Carlos had a nice batted ball, and a big penalty against him, you know. Uh, so there were, there were some just positive things. I, uh, 99 was a contributor. 91 was a contributor. I mean, you saw um, George uh, had some positive snaps, and uh, it's a good rotation Joe has going uh, there. So. Andy, uh, trying to piggyback off that defensive line question, you know, the Niners had a couple offensive tackles that were coming back from an injury. Probably weren't 100%. So how key, what was the key as far as just trying to put pressure and, and get Jimmy Garoppolo like off balance and making the bad throws like you guys did in the second half? Yeah, listen, Jimmy's a good football player. It's uh, in every quarterback in this league, um, uh, you you want to try to do try to get him off balance. Uh, he's a veteran, so we, we were bringing people, and he made some nice plays in that second half, hitting the hot receiver, and um, you know to where we we stopped doing that. And, uh, but, uh, the, those guys, the guys that came back will do nothing but get better for, for you guys. So, 
I, I think it'll, it's, a, it's a positive outlook for the 49ers, even though this score uh, got away a little bit. I think it's a, down the road. The Niners are in good hands. Uh, Coach, uh, heading into the bye week, I know you don't get to choose when the bye week is, but is this having a good time for you guys and coming off the win and just kind of like how you assess like where you guys are right now? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a, it's a good time. Um, you know, five and two looks a lot better than four and three. So it's, uh, um, you know, I, I think it comes where we, we could afford to get a little bit healthier in some spots, particularly a corner spot. As long as the guys are out there and being safe and, that's kind of my primary concern right now, that they get back on time. That's always important. Uh, but they're, they're, this, I think, leads them into a nice positive week where they can have some recovery time. All right, thank you. Okay, good. Thanks. Um, are you talking about the one that down the middle of the field? Uh, yeah, yeah. So that was um, – it was a kind of a skinny post route that wasn't really a big alert in my read, but um, the way that their safeties were playing in their cover four, uh, I knew that they were going to drive Juju, who was the primary on the other side. And so once I saw uh, McColl kind of clear out the middle and he was one-on-one, I just put it out there. And uh, I, actually, it's funny, I've, I've told him, I was like, I miss you in Indy, so I've thrown these two kind of short, but I'm going to get them to where I can get some touchdowns out of these and put them out there a little bit even further. He said you guys had a conversation, and maybe it was the, the first quarter for second quarter, just about the fact that he thought that route might be open later in the game. Yeah, yeah. So we, how they were playing, I mean, I think you see, you saw it on the first pick. Their safeties were driving now, and they, they have aggressive safeties. They're really good. They were kind of trying to use their pass rush to drive down um, and make plays. That's what happened on the interception. And so once early in the game I saw that, we talked about it on the sideline. Right before we went on the sideline, I said, hey, it was a, the play I ended up hitting Travis on, the little out route he had ran early in the second quarter. I was like, hey, they in that cover four, uh, cover four shell again. Um, if that, that safety drives, just make sure you, you kind of keep it up that down the field. And so um, that's that that's stuff that you build throughout a, throughout a season, and I think uh, we're going to continue to get better and better at that. Hey, Patrick, I'll ask you. Uh, Juju's talked about Friday. He said uh, you guys gained a lot of chemistry playing Call of Duty and Warzone, I guess, uh, one three straight. Can you describe it from your perspective? Yeah, I don't I don't play uh, all the time, but some of those guys play. And so when I had a kind of a free night on Friday, and so I told him I was like, I'll get on with y'all for a little while. And so it was me, uh, Travis, Marquez, and Juju. And Marquez and Juju are really good. Me and Travis are just all right. But we did our part, and we went three for three with with three wins in Warzone, which I don't do often, which I, they might, but I don't. So I felt pretty good about it going into the game. He says you guys have developed some chemistry. Did it feel like it playing that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's cool. Uh, when you get away from the facility, um, you're doing, like, I mean, it's kid-like things. And uh, you got, you're on the headset, and you're kind of talking and joking around and, and, and talking about the week. Uh, it kind of gets your mind off of just football, and it's about building those relationships. And so uh, it, it's definitely cool to kind of see these guys, even if it's on the game, outside of the facility. Yeah, hey, Pat, he just said that uh, um, uh, the trust, building the trust ever since Dallas, and that was kind of part of the – evolution process where it kind of clicked in the Call of Duty, and he said that you you were able to trust all of them. How do you kind of felt like that evolution has happened, trusting those guys to having a performance like you did today? Yeah, I mean, it's getting better and better. Uh, I think we can continue to get better. I, as I look at this season, I think we're going to continue to get better and better as the season goes on. Uh, we'll learn from our mistakes, um, and we'll go out there and improve and, and be, be even better when the season gets to the end of it. And so to go out against a defense like this and show that we can still be explosive and have those big plays – uh, I think that will uh, bode well for us as the, the season goes on because people don't know where it's going to come from. Patrick, uh, you start the game with a pick and you're down 10 nothing and against a pretty good defense on the road, a loud building. 
Does any of that take you out of your comfort zone at any point? I mean, are you, were you any more close to that today? Um, not necessarily. I mean, I knew we needed to, after the pick, we needed to go down there and get points on that next drive. Um, you don't want them to get too far ahead because how uh, efficient and good their run game is. Um, and so we were able to move the ball down the field that next drive and, and get it into the end zone um, on McColl's uh, first jet sweep thing. Um, and so um, we knew that we needed to get points on the board. But, I mean, like I said, I saw early that their safeties were playing a little little uh, closer than teams usually play us. So I knew we'd have opportunities. Uh, it was just going to take us protecting, which our line did a terrific job of against a great D-line, um, and guys winning downfield, which they did. So how is it that you don't get out of your comfort zone in those kinds of situations? Just haven't done it so many times before? Yeah, I mean, it's having done it, and then there's so much time left in the game. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to compete to the final whistle until Coach takes me off that football field. Um, and so whenever you get down in these games, all you can do is can, how can you affect and, and go out there and have a positive next play? And then you kind of continue to do that the next play, the next play. And E.B. preaches that is the most important play is the next play. Um, and so we just go out there and just execute that play. Uh, continue to make the drives happen, and then once you get in the end zone and it gets a little bit closer, you, then you can kind of keep keep that same mentality going. I know you don't care where the ball's going as long as it's going to an open guy, but everybody got involved today. Mm-hmm. A big game for a lot of guys. What's that like for you when it's working, whether you get the ball to Hardman or Juju or MBS or, or Kelsey? Yeah, I mean, we have we have guys everywhere on this offense. Um, I mean, the receivers obviously had a big day today. The tight ends have had big days. Running backs have had big days. That's just going to be who we are as an offense. It's going to be everybody. And so um, I think as long as it, as it all starts up front and the offensive line plays like they did today, we'll have a good day as an offense. We have a lot of playmakers on this team. Patrick, everybody knows. Over here, Patrick. Oh, yeah. How you doing, man? Uh, everybody knows that McColl is fast, but, but why do the jet sweeps work so well? And is there something that you guys – recognized or saw from the 49ers defense that allowed that play to maybe flourish more than more than usual. Yeah, I mean, we – well, first off, jet sweeps work better when you run the ball well, and I thought we ran it in spots really well, uh, run it downhill. Um, and then when you get other guys like Travis and stuff going through the middle, sometimes they, they lose sight of that jet sweep guy. And I think what makes McColl so good at it is obviously he's super fast, but he runs really hard. And a lot of times when you get smaller receivers and you get on those jet sweeps, they want to get outside and kind of get to the sideline and kind of get yards and go out of bounds. If you notice with McColl, that man puts his foot in the ground and gets upfield and, and trusts his blockers. Um, and you don't see that out of a lot of guys um, in this league, and it's a special talent that he has. Patrick, there was so much talk about how the 49ers were looking at this as a rematch of the Super Bowl, and of course, you, know, you guys just really took care of business today. How much did this game mean to you guys? I mean, of course, every every opponent I know is important, but was there anything at all in regards to playing the Niners again? Or? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, whenever you play against the best teams in the league, you want to go out there and show what, you, what you're all about. And I believe the 49ers are one of the best teams in the league um, and, and obviously one of the best defenses. And so for us, coming off a loss against the Bills, you don't want to go out, have two losses going into the bye week. And so we knew this was an extremely important game. Um, and I thought the guys accepted the challenge, especially how we started um, and responded and went out there and found a way to get that win. And that bye week's a lot better when you're coming off a win. Hey, Patrick, uh, National Tight Ends Day. I know Travis was like just two yards shy of 100 yards. I didn't know if you were aware of that near the end. I know you are trying to get the ball get the ball to him, but just, you know, I didn't know if you guys were trying yeah, to get that. I, I didn't know. Um, I wish I would have because I would have stayed in and got, tried to get him those yards. Um, but, uh, I mean, he's that's not who he is. I mean, you think you, if you know Travis, you know he just wants to win. He's a competitor. He doesn't care who gets the shine. 
Um, but if uh, we ever have those opportunities, I think you see this team, we want to make sure we give him that credit and we give him those chances to, to make those historic record uh, record type of, of games. And uh, he's done them so well, and he, and he puts in the time and the, the work. So uh, let him go out there and try to get a couple more catches there at the end. And then just uh, going into the bye week, how do you assess where you guys are right now at this break? Yeah, I mean, we had a tough schedule uh, going into the bye. We knew that um, going into the season. Um, obviously, we lost a couple games that we wanted to win. Um, but when you look back on it, you're five and two, and you're first in AFC West. I mean, you can't. I mean, you can't ask to be in a better position. So now we have to kind of recalibrate, get off our feet, uh, get our bodies back, um, and then learn. Because when we come back in this next this stretch, we're going to be ready to go and try to make a push to get to the playoffs, and then try to get to the Super Bowl. All right, thank you. How you guys doing? No comment. No comment, man. <laughs> Too much going on in this league. I have no comment. <laughs> Chris, with the um, coming off of a, of a loss over here, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? Good. What did you feel like you guys showed most improvement in this game? Um, I think we focused more on us, what we can get better at. I think um, we gave that game away. We had so many opportunities late in the game where we could have capitalized on it, whether it's a pass rush. Whether it's a pass, we could have caught. And um, I think the focal point this week was um, capitalize on those opportunities. This is a great team coming in here. We knew it was going to be a hostile environment. So um, we capitalized on those opportunities. We'll give ourselves a chance to win. Chris, we talked so much about you playing defensive end last year, but you've been pretty successful at it in the, the spots you played at this year. Um, was that something that's just game plan related? Is it something you're seeing during the game? I guess, how does that come about? You know, um, Spags called the defense. I um, we just try to give them different looks. You know, um, I got a I got a heck of a supporting cast with me. I got Frank Clark, Carlos Dunlap, and Colin Sanders or Derek Naughty, and uh, they cause a double team on them, which frees me up to get a one on one. Or the scheme that Spags run forces me to get a one on one. And uh, my job here is to win the one on one. It feels a little bit odd to ask you to comment on a no comment shirt, but is there a reason you're you're wearing it here? Well, everyone has been asking what's my comments on the sacks, the the flags I get. I have no comment. I'm trying. To <laughs> I have no comment, man. Can you describe? Uh, Juju was just in here. He talked about you guys have been down ten points from one and one three games. Can you describe ten nothing? What the energy is like on your guys' sideline after you get down? I think we actually play better when we're down. I don't like to be down because it causes so much, you know, so much pressure on on us to go out and score or go out and make a stop. But um, I guess we like challenging ourselves at this point, you know. But um, no one, no one, no one, um, <laughs> no one got rattled. Everyone stayed subtle, and um, we came together as a team. Yeah, I said at the beginning of this year we're gonna face a lot of adversity as a team, and it's continued to build our character as a, as a whole. Hey Chris, uh, just heading into the bye week, where do you go, how do you assess your team and the progress that this team has made uh, just for seven weeks of the season? We're five and two right now. Um, we're in a good spot. Most importantly, we're missing a lot of key pieces within this team. A lot of guys are still hurt, banged up. We got uh, one of our starting cornerbacks out, one of our starting D linemen. So we get a lot of guys healthy. Everyone can get get a little rest, get off your feet, take care of your body, and we can come back and make a stride. Uh, Chris, um, seems like you, the four best defensive games you've played this year have come on the road, the four road games. Um, and the, the two best pass rush games probably today and the one in Indianapolis. Something about playing on the road that gets you guys going a little bit maybe? 
I don't know. I think it's uh, more so we're accepting the challenge of who we plan and continue to get better week in and week out. You know, Joe Cullen emphasizing on upping the level week in and week out and being better than you were last week, and that's our focal point as a D-line in particular. Thank you, guys. McCall right here. Um, <laughs> you got a mic. <laughs> hey, man. That's how we doing it today. Um, three touchdowns. Just what are you most proud of of this type of performance? I mean, it's just uh, first you just go to the O-line and the O. I mean, Orlando Brown, I don't know if y'all seen him, but he was getting out on the edge, right? Uh, Jody Forsen had a key block out there, too. So, I mean, without them, I wouldn't get in the end zone. But, um I think Coach called the play at the right time, and um, and we executed it. So, Nicole, uh, seems like Chiefs been trying to get you the ball in those maybe open field type plays, the screens and the, the jet sweeps. What makes you, other than you're, you're fast, obviously, what makes you uh, so good in those situations, those open field situations? I think I got a good feel for it, man. Honestly, just the vision and you know trying to find the, the, the little holes and the little gaps between the defenses to try to hit. Like you said, the, you know if you can get through them with speed. And you try to get somebody one on one, you know, it's it's gonna be a long day for that defender. So I just try to do that. Can you describe that longest touchdown of yours, that twenty five yarder? You kinda waited to set up some blocks, it looks like had some uh, did some work to stay in bounds maybe? Yeah, uh, I really thought that was gonna that, that was gonna flow better to that <laughs> to that side and um I didn't want to go out of bounds, so when I uh kinda seen Noah um kinda got uh, off the block of Noah's and I went back left, I'm like, Oh yo, <laughs> It's wide open over here. Let me just go over here then. So I kind of just went back left and go back right. Um, so they did. They, did, they kind of didn't do a good job of flowing over there. So I just took advantage. I mean, Cole, the first half you guys got off to a slow start. Right. What do you think was the difference in the second half where you guys were able to, you know, kind of march down the field and do whatever you guys wanted in that second half? Uh, I think it just just us executing, actually. You know, um, we just came out with um, same game plan. We just executed a little bit better, um, blocking better up front and um, just getting to our spots as receivers. You know, and Pat was making great throws out there all day. And, um, you know, the running game started getting going a little bit, started opening some things up. So once they started flowing and started running, man, you know, it was kind of unstoppable. Uh, McCall, can you break down that first touchdown? It went down in the game book as a pass, but it looked kind of like a scissors action, kind of like a jet sweep. Can you – Break it down for us. Yeah, this one is just the pop pass. Um, kind of just another uh, creative way to get extra passing yards. Um, so uh, just, yeah, one of those pop passes. And then, you know, we've been running it you know, for a little bit now. So just another creative way to get, the, you know, some passing yards. McCall, you've been battling that, that heel injury or foot injury. Um, just talk about the fact that you've been able to battle through that and, and come out on top today. Yeah, that shit still hurts, like, for real. Uh, <laughs> but I've uh, got about a week now. Hopefully this week, you know, I can kind of get back healthy. Um, but um, like you said, just battling through it, man, just doing uh, different things and um, padding in the cleat and, you know, doing different tape jobs, just kind of take pressure off the heel a little bit. Um, but, you know, as every week go on, it kind of lessens and lessens. So now with this bye week, hopefully, you know, I can kind of get back to 100 and um, get back to the, um, like, to full speed. Thanks, guys. Thank you. I think honestly, it's just uh, just the hard work we're putting in. Um, I think just like I said, it's the chemistry, uh, and you know, Pat, you know, getting to trust all of us and to put you know the ball where it needs to be, and us to go make the play. As you can see today, you know, two tight ends, three cat, two two, two to three tight ends catching balls, receivers catching balls, Miko score, I score, and uh, just spreading the ball around. And then when your numbers call, just making plays. Third game this year, you've been down at least 10 points early, and you guys came back to win. Is there, 
you, you notice something joining this team about how they operate oh, in those situations? Energy. Energy all day. And that's and that starts with Trav, you know? And, you know, and that starts with Pat and, and it starts with Chris. Like, those are the guys that gets this team going. And second half, you, you can feel that. You know, you can feel the passion that, you know, you're playing for one another. Can you give some examples how you feel that? Energy all day. Energy all day. I have time with, and, that, and that's, and that's, you know, that's, that's Trav's saying, and, you know, I feed, I feed off of it, we're all feeding off of it, and coming in the second half, you know, we get the ball back, we come down, we had a great, great special team return, and put points on the board, and, you know, with a team, like the 49ers, great team all around, um, especially, you know, the defense side of the ball, you said, like, they're almost number one in almost every, um, every racket, so for us, it's just putting points on the board and, and getting up, you know, and forcing them to throw the ball uh, in the second half for our defense can play more. Hey, Juju, um, you guys face a lot of man coverage. Did the receivers take that to heart this week? Was that some, a challenge you guys wanted to take on? I don't, it doesn't matter what, we, what we're going against. You know, zone, man coverage, you know, since I've been here, I've seen it all. I've seen every type of coverage you can, you know, go against. So, you know, coming into this game, I guess it's always like the first series. I'm like, what do we see? What are they showing us early? And it kind of slowly changes, you know, as the game goes on. And, you know, we just... The coaches call the plays. We go out there, we execute, and we make the plays. And real quick, what did you see from MVS? He got a go route. I don't think he's had one of those this year. What did you see on that play? Uh, so the one on the sideline? Yeah. Not the post, right? No, the go Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, we came into this game that, you know, it was I, honestly, that's probably a great catch. You know, catching the ball with the sun in your face, um, you know, that's something that, you know, we did last week. I had one last week, and we caught that. So we worked on that, you know, all week. So it was nice. It's always nice to see like MBS and like Cole like really open up and like really run. You, you, the offense started off slow in that first half, but then the second half, you guys seemed like you were able to march down, do what you wanted. Was that return that started the second half, the, the kickoff return, was that the spark you guys needed? Yeah, honestly, that, that's where that's where it was. Um, that's the spark that got us into you know Clyde getting into the touchdown and us getting the ball back. And uh, in an atmosphere like this, um, that's what we need. And going into that, that second half and going into the fourth quarter, man, everyone was just so excited, you know, because once the defense gets a stop and once you're on one, you ever play Madden and they got like the, the X factor on, on like a quarterback, but they had it on Pat today and it was like fire. And I was just like, damn, he's on, he's on his X factor. Let me try to get on mine. I ain't got one, but I try to get one. So, but like I said, it's just, it's just a passion. Like when, when, I, I was I would say like this is the second we lost against the Bills. We lost against we lost against the Colts and we came out Tampa on fire. We lost against the Bills, another great football team. We came out here, we kinda of started off sluggish, but we picked it up and we came out fire. I think moving forward every every week gotta feel like gotta feel like that. That passion, that energy. And that's what we and that's that's why I'm here, because I'm all about work, man. You know, at the end of the day, all I care about was the number on the board. I don't care about no stats whatsoever. As long as we win, we get we get out of the game with a W. We fly home, bye week, baby. Get to go home, see my family. It's nice, man. Happy Halloween. Hey Juju, uh, just you talked about Pat trusting you. This goes back to like the workouts you guys were doing in Texas in the off season. Just kind of that process and how it's evolved and where you guys are right now. Oh man, Dude, you want to talk about like chemistry and trust? Yeah. So we start off in Dallas. You know, we worked out there. Uh, it's pretty cool. Pat got, Pat got his like own little facility. I'm like, damn, that's pretty cool, Pat. Pat got some. So we started off there. We came here, worked out in camp, built that chemistry. Obviously, preseason, camp. But I'm going to tell you what got us 
the chemistry where we needed this game. So I think it was like, yeah, I think it was Friday night. It was me, Pat, Travis, and uh, MBS. We were playing Call of Duty together. We were playing Warzone. And we played three games. We won three games back to back. And we got off. We was like, damn, like, it's really hard to win a game in, in Warzone Call of Duty. And you could just tell, like, the communication between all of us and, like, the chemistry was just like, it was like we were in the game. Like, he's there. He's right there. He's above me. He's right here. And kind of just led into this game. And it kind of just showed on the field. Yeah, yeah. So we're on the same team. So, like, so we're on the same team, right? It's also, there's four of us. There's 64 people on this map. It's called Rebirth Island. We all land in, and then we all, like, you know, we get our guns. We, once we get our guns, then we're all, like, you know, working together, like, the communication. Like, yo, let's move upstairs. Let's go here. Trav, he's behind you. Pat, he's behind you. He's in the store. And it, 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 that's where it all started at, honestly. You can ask him about it, too. Juju, I'm sorry. This question won't be as fun as that previous one. But uh, for uh, Mundo NFL, NFL in, in Spanish, uh, the 49ers eh, volvieron a muchos eh, jugadores defensivos importantes esta semana. ¿Cómo pudieron hacerlo para, para ser tan exitosos? The 49ers got back a lot of uh, defensive talent this week. How were you able to be so successful against them? Oh, man. So, going to get, like I said, this defense is, they're really good. You know, like I said, you look at the charts, they're pretty much number one across the board. And I think for us, you know, we always talk about, we can't, when we're down or we're losing, it's us beating ourselves. It's penalties, it's unnecessary things that you know we're working on and we're hurting ourselves. And um, we came out second half and we fixed that. You know, um, like I said, we started off kind of sluggish, but at the end of the day, it's all about details and assignment, getting on your man. And um, our Titans had huge blocks in the first, first in the second half early, where Clyde, you know, scored. So it's just everyone being accountable. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.